All right. Welcome back to the Believe You Are a Good Mom podcast. I'm your host, Emily Wardrop, and I have Jody Schilling with me today. Did I say it right? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Has a lot of I's and L's in it. Yes. <laughs> um, so Jody, will you introduce yourself to my audience? Yes. First of all, I just want to thank you for inviting me on. And it's so fun. My um background and my the moms that I work with and help are the mom we have like the same um like approach in the whole idea of the good mom and that concept that we're already a good mom but we worry about being a good mom and so um I'm a life coach for moms who have extra challenging family dynamics going on and I'm a mom of four and we have neurodiversity and um mental health things and lots of lots of loss and grief and and just the things that we go through in life um, have happened, it seems, a little bit more to our family. At least that was our old story. And mm-hmm. and I found that I just wanted to share the things that worked and also get real about the things that didn't work with our family, mm-hmm. with other moms, and be able to help them. And so I started the Good Mom podcast. Mm-hmm. Love it. And that was in, I think late 2020, I believe. And so um, that's what I do. I I have my podcast, which has been a little bit in hiatus for a few weeks um, due to some personal, uh, my, I ended up losing my mom to a terrible um, short cancer bout Mm -hmm. in the fall. And so I am just now getting back into my groove of doing my podcast and, and all those things. But um, yes, that's, that's who I am. That's who I help. And I just, it's just so lovely to be invited on and share and, you know, talk with you on all the things mom related. Yeah. So how old are your four kids now? So my four are 29. This is actually difficult for me because they're very close together. And so sometimes the birthdays, depending on the year. I know. (laughs) And it changes all the time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 20. Yeah. So I have 29. I have, um, I have one son and three daughters. So my son is 29. And then I have a 27 year old daughter, 24 and 22, 23. Yeah. Had a birthday since then. Yeah. I have the, almost the same thing. I have a son and then four daughters. Okay. Really? But my, my son is nine. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> so I'm where so, you yeah. were <laughs> back. Yeah. Back yeah. in the day when I, <laughs> uh-huh. when I, we lived in Alaska, actually, when my kids were those ages. Oh, wow. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, and then when did you find life coaching? I was introduced to life coaching in 2017. So, and, and it was a whole new world for me. I, I didn't even, I just, you know, I'd kind of heard like, there's a such thing as a life coach thing, but I hadn't actually experienced it. And, um, and I was connected with Brooke Castillo's life coach school mm-hmm. and I was part of her program. And then I was certified as a life coach in 2019. Oh, okay. Wow. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I found it in 2017 also when my third baby was a baby. <laughs> And so I had three babies. That's, in that's a good time to find a life coach. Yeah. And so that's why I want to coach moms with young kids. Cause I hear people say all the time, Oh, I wish I had these tools when my kids were little. And yes. I'm so glad that I found them when my kids were little. And yes. And now I have yeah. two daughters that have been diagnosed with diabetes. And so okay. I especially like to focus on my T1D moms. <laughs> 
and um because I just can't even imagine like going through the drama we go through on the daily and nightly without right tools right which probably I mean we probably have a lot in common because with my kids with the diagnosis they had our lives were kind of revolved around therapy appointments and you know medications and trying different things and so you know in our in our world, mental health and those kinds of things aren't viewed as much as physical illnesses, but they're very much yeah. as impactful to the family. Yeah. yeah. If not yeah. more. Yeah. Because the diabetes, it's kind of like, yeah, I have to remember to do some extra things when they're eating, but like <laughs> a behavioral or like a mental health condition that like affects the behavior and the dynamics of the family is, is a, a whole nother yeah. pocket. And so, yeah. And it's also not readily, there's a lot of stigma around it. So it's uh-huh. not readily um, understood by people and people have less compassion. They have more judgment. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other things that go with it too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'd say a lot of that is shifting, which is nice. You know, the stigma yes. is lifting and, We're and getting I better. Yeah. Particularly like to talk about, um, I like how on your Instagram, it says you're a life coach for people who want to change the world. Is that right? World changers. Yeah. World changers. So yes. What are, tell me, what are the kind of the things that you would want to change in the world when you think about yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a, just this sense of acceptance and celebration of diversity mm-hmm. that I, I, it just, it's something that I'm also in education and it's just something when I feel like I'm with people who are able to just accept other people for what they are or where they're at at that point in their life Um, and also accepting kind of our own shortcomings. And so I think that's the kind of angle in terms of thinking about how, how is the world better? It's when we have more acceptance. Um, and sometimes acceptance looks like being really honest with ourselves, but other times it's acceptance of just like the hard parts in life and the differences in life and the challenges in life. I think if we can't ex- come to a place where we can accept and and face that without fear, that's where we get stuck and that's where we just, we can't make progress in so many, so many areas, including mental health or um even just, you know, like the big topics like racism or, um, you know, any of those, any of those really like things where people's lives have been so impacted. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think that's where that's one of them is, is the idea of acceptance and, and also being, being willing to face things that are difficult without fear. And I think that's, um, that's super hard as human beings, because we're not wired to do that. We're wired to protect ourselves from anything dangerous all the time. So, um, so those, those are the things that come to mind um, for me. I'm, I'm also the, the concept of inclusion Mm -hmm. and truly understanding what it means, having a sense of belonging in any group is also a really, really big concept for me and wanting to change the world. Um, I feel like I see this in classrooms, but in our own family, again, that, that whole idea of having kids where they have behavioral challenges and not understanding that the brain, a lot of what's happening when kids are struggling emotionally is what's happening in the brain. That is, there's so many factors 
the brain is so incredible, mm -hmm. but there could be sensory demands, physical demands, developmental delays, developmental differences that aren't even maybe delays, but just different ways in learning, processing information. Um, we also have all this unconscious bias that's passed down generationally to us. We have generational trauma as well. And so there's all this stuff going on in the brain and we tend to see behavior, the external or the last thing that happens is this, this externalizing behavior. And we just kind of focus and over-focus on that instead of being curious about what is maybe behind that behavior. And also the assumption that all behavior is willful. Um, that's another that's another area where I want to change the world because I think that that concept has been so ingrained and and reinforced in us that we just don't think about it as behaviors not being willful. Yeah. And some behavior is, and a lot of you know, there's a lot that we can do about that. But there's so much that's not that's going on behind the scenes in the brain. So having a better understanding of that and and having more curiosity about it and and then that concept of inclusion and not judging people and rejecting people and kind of compartmentalizing people, um, that's a big one for me as well. My um, In my own family, there were times when my kids were not included in the mainstream things. They were placed in different programs or not allowed to be on the team or the ballet class or whatever based on their um, their developmental delays or their mental health or their behavior, whatever. And so that is a change I want to make yeah. and help people understand. I think when people understand better, then they're just more inclined to be more inclusive. Yeah. So we have to do, I think it comes, comes down to educating better. Yeah. And then when people understand better, then they're a lot more willing to be inclusive. So, yeah, for sure. And I think the um, acceptance goes both ways where we uh -huh. want to be accepted. We want to belong. And if we don't accept ourselves, then yeah. we're never going to feel accepted anywhere else. That is so true. That is a, such, so much of the work I do with the moms that I coach comes back down to that. Yeah. And so, yeah. especially as a mom, we almost project our own insecurities or things that we went through onto Absolutely. our kids and we don't want yes. them to relive what we went through but they're a whole different person. It's a whole different scenario. It's a whole, you know, and yeah. so to just trust that they're going to have their own experience and do our own work on ourselves. And so a yes. lot of parenting coaches, of course, are helping with the kids or the kids behavior or whatever. And I just really like to focus on the mom because there's so much self-healing, reparenting, so much, to do, so much work to do on ourselves that we just oh. project onto our kids, but our kids just came hundred percent perfect, you know, and not, yes. you know, worthy and yes, we you still are, are also, but we just don't even believe it anymore. And so oh then, my gosh, you are speaking my language. Exactly. So the lens that we have on of ourselves as we build ourselves up, then we, we think there's something wrong with us and we think there's something wrong with them or either way it goes both ways. So whichever one you want to work on first, it'll heal both. Yes. You know? And then outwardly. Like we mm -hmm. want the world to accept us or accept our kid, but if we don't accept ourselves or accept our kid, that there's nothing wrong here. We want exactly. the world to validate that there's nothing wrong here, but we got to get it figured we out. We have home to self-validate. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's so, so powerful and so true. And it's interesting when I work with moms too, um, a lot of times 
they want strategies for behavior stuff. Mm -hmm. So we might start out at the beginning <laughs> of, you know, this is what's going on. I need, I need a schedule. I need, like, I'm just, you know, struggling in all the things with, with the kids or the behavior stuff. That isn't what we end up coaching on at all. It always comes back to how, what, what are we making this mean about us as a mom and where in our own history, did we get some idea that now we're kind of living out and proving to be true and projecting, like you said, where when we can have, we can really get to the heart of what's going on, then we have that acceptance, then all the other stuff falls into place. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, oh, I forget what else I was going to say about your behavior thing, because I love that. I love, I love like the behavior is just the outward indication of what's going on inside. And it's yeah. so, oh, I remember what I was going to say, because the first thing moms always want to do is like, I just want to stop yelling at my kids, right? We yeah. want our kids to behave so that we can stop yelling at them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And we're like, and like you said, that the behavior is not willful, right? And so they are doing the best they can. Like they are having thoughts and feelings that are causing actions, you know? And so are we, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we think that they are, you know, misbehaving on purpose, but we can't even control ourselves to behave properly. And so right. it's just ridiculous what we expect of these little people that we're big people and we still haven't got it figured out, you know? And I so know. to be able to just have acceptance and grace for all of that. And mm -hmm. then just, you know, just coat it all with so much self-compassion for ourselves mm -hmm. first. That of course I can't, you know, cause whichever way you're looking at it, we can use it against ourselves, right? Oh, I can't even, you know, why do I expect my kid to have... Oh, what is it that word I always say? Anyway, when I can't even do impulse or, control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then we want to beat ourselves up about that. So that's why I always talk about acceptance too. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I use and this, grace. Yeah, yeah, lots of grace and and just normalizing it. You know, like um, of course I'm stressed out right now. I'm in the middle of the Costco line and mm -hmm. you know, my kid is screaming or I'm, you know, my kid is trying to get into college and um we didn't fill out the form in time. And, you know, so you can just, you can get in a spiral and, and think that you're bad, you're doing a bad job or whatever. And if we can bring it back to, no, of course, this is stressful. Of course, I'm worried about this right now. This is, you know, this is a situation that's uncomfortable or difficult or challenging. And so like, take a breath. It's, you know, and being able to talk your own self down is that, that I did not have. I look back and just cringe at the times when my kids were young and I had these, like, I call them my mom moment, like my bad mom moments when, mm -hmm. um, you know, when it just, it, I just wasn't being my best self. If, yeah. you know, looking back, I wish I could change it. And, but I came to acceptance about that too, because we are human beings. Mm -hmm. And in any given moment, we have a capacity to meet the demands that are being placed on us, just like kids. And we're all doing the best we can in any given moment. And when we know better, then we do better. And sometimes, sometimes yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that's been, that's been something that I think, learning about what is the thought that's going through my mind that I'm like making this 10 times worse, yeah. whatever that situation is, and being able to recognize, okay, that's, that's me and the story I'm saying right now. That's not helpful. Yeah. So bringing it back yeah. to you. And yeah. then, and then 
because like I said, like, oh, I'm so glad I have these tools while my kids are little. Really, I just use these tools to beat myself up even more. I'm you like, can totally do that. I feel, yes. why do yes. I feel so irritated in a line at Costco? Like I should be above this by now. I know that my feelings are coming from my thoughts and why can't I control my thoughts? Da, 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 da. And so that's why I really focus on that acceptance piece. Because once we have the awareness, then we tend to use it against ourselves. We can use it against ourselves. Yeah. That's so true. And so there's yes. the, the double layer there of like. And, and yeah. I like to think of that as like the thought work and the feeling work, you know, because uh -huh. once the feeling is felt, it's felt like you can't go back and thought work yourself out of it. Like it's in your body. So exactly. if you're sitting there embarrassed or frustrated or whatever, because your kid is screaming at Costco, it's like, you feel that, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, and resisting it just makes it worse. And so just accepting, a, like, you yes. know, when we fight against reality, we lose every time. And so yep. the acceptance of reality, the acceptance that this is my kid, this is me, this is who we are and yeah and there's nothing and nothing is wrong exactly. I think that you really really being able to think that nothing is wrong that's a tough leap for a lot of us because we think and and society conditions us too this is where the world changing stuff comes in that I mm -hmm. I want us to get to a place where like just one quick example is kids with autism one of the things that is really starting to happen more and more now is that it used to be that in schools particularly, there would be goals for kids with autism to have neurotypical behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so like eye contact is one of them that's mm -hmm. challenging and I'm not even good at eye contact personally and I have struggled with it, but there's a concept that we should have eye contact as, you know, that's a neurotypical and acceptable and appropriate way to communicate. And it's a goal that's worthy of teaching kids how to do that. But now there's a movement about kids who are artistic, who are autistic, have their own processing in their brain that is not necessarily wrong. It really works for them. And not having eye contact is actually better for them in, in terms of creating emotional safety mm -hmm. and helping them just process information better if they if they don't have eye contact, then that frees up the part of the brain that they can take in the information they need. Mm -hmm. And so as we learn more, I think this is, this is where I get excited about it is that when we learn more about kids with autism or kids with other types of neurodiversity and mental health, even borderline personality disorder and things like that, um, when we start to have this curiosity about it, instead of this assumption that it's wrong and bad, yeah. Yeah. It's so much better. And so then that example in the Costco line is like, nothing is wrong here. Like mm -hmm. we don't have to have feel shame or embarrassment or whatever. Like this is, this is who my daughter is. This mm -hmm. is, this is an overstimulating environment for her. Mm -hmm. And this is her body's response to it. And it's okay. And yeah. we, you know, we will support her through this and we will go out and whatever these other people, you know, they, they can think what they want. They can be wrong about us, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can think that there's something wrong here and and they're not educated about that yet. And that's yeah. okay. Maybe and whether this... there's whether there's the diagnosis or not, it's true for every single kid. Like every exactly. kid is overstimulated at Costco and <laughs> yes. um or overtired or hungry or you know, like just yeah. and so are we as part. adults. Like yeah. We're having some social anxiety maybe because, you know, our kid is whatever and we're feeling the pressure from that. Like we're all going through stuff. Our stuff. Yes. Nothing is wrong here. It's totally fine yes. that they're yes. acting how they're acting. It's totally fine that we're feeling how we're feeling. And, um, and I love that so much. Just the shift, the education, the, 
the even understanding the brain as much as we have and always learning more. And, and it's like, even, like I said, even without a diagnosis, we can just accept everyone is different. (laughs) Like, why is there nor neurotypical and then not, you know, it's like, how about about every single person? Yeah. is different. You look at every single person and we look so unique on the outside. Of course, we're unique on the inside too. Our brains all function differently. And why are we trying to like, fit everybody into a little box of like how the brain is supposed to work properly, you know? I know. And it's kind of cool. I mean, we know about how the brain works. We even have medications that help the brain wiring or the chemical imbalances, whatever. But at what point is it an imbalance? And what point is it just the way that kid's brain is supposed to work? And why are we messing with it? And, you know, and and that we have these choices, you know, that not one is right or wrong. It's just Mm -hmm. try and see what works for you. It's just so cool, you know? Again, yeah. with the acceptance, you know, that like nothing's gone wrong here. They do expect him to, you know, make the same <laughs> grade on a test every single time. And if one time he gets a hundred and then he gets a 70 and then he gets a 90, the teacher's like, mm, maybe there's something we could do to like help him get the same grade every time. Cause I know he can do it, but he's not exactly doing it. Just yeah. hypothetically, that might've happened at my parents' teacher conference <laughs> last night. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah. Um, but it's all good. And it's, you know, there's nothing, you know, we like to internalize those things. Like there's nothing wrong with that kid who's doing that. And we want to, you know, shift things up. That's good too. You know? Yes. It's like, there's nothing wrong with us if we're not showing up as our best self all the time. Of course. Right. Right. No, I think that's, that's such a good point too, because there's, I think that there's fluctuations. Um, but another thing that people tend to believe about behavior is that if you've seen a child be able to perform a, a behavior in one setting and one time, then people use that as like, well, we know they can do it. So why aren't they doing it here? Because if they're not doing it here, then they must be willfully or, you know, manipulating or trying to get something out of this. And it's like, no, we've all been in situations where, yeah, under good circumstances, when I've had a good night of sleep and I've, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, then I am easily able to not eat the chocolate chip cookie. And Mm -hmm. other times when I'm super stressed and I've had all these things, then I don't have that same behavior in a different Mm -hmm. thing. It doesn't mean that I'm willfully like refusing to, you know, set my goals and, and, or that you're not capable anymore because you've done it. They fluctuate. And Yeah. yeah. So that's just another one that um, comes up a lot with mm-hmm. just because I work a lot with kids with behaviors and especially after the pandemic, we've had a lot of unusual or different behaviors pop up at in schools, which makes a ton of sense because we know that we get practice in certain settings and learn how to perform tasks. And, and some of those include social interactions and things like that. So the kids that were home where they typically would have been at, you know, maybe age seven, when you learn the skill of negotiating at recess and taking turns and playing whatever, they didn't have those opportunities to practice in those settings. So in schools, we're seeing this big difference between when they, you know, you would expect a third grader to be able to do, they missed those skills in the spring of first grade or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there's some things that have to be relearned and there's a lot, it's just fascinating, but there's a lot of assumptions that we have made as adults about kids and behavior 
that if you stop and think about it, they're just not realistic and they're not really taking into consideration like all the factors that come into play. So which I mean, of course, we got to have some grace for the teachers in the school system and whatever, because oh, how sure. in the world are they expected to be able to customize the lesson plan that everyone and all their developmental sure. differences and all the things, you know, so bless yes. their hearts. So grateful for them and glad they're doing the best oh, they yes. can. Yes. And, but you nailed it, I think, with a couple different words like that expectation and the assumption, you know, mm-hmm. like what we expect of our kids and of ourselves and of the school system and of the... <laughs> country of politics whatever you know um and our and our assumptions you know Mm -hmm. like those are the things that we got to keep in check and and not be blaming on outside whatever it's an inside Mm -hmm. job to take care of our own expectations and work with it so yes anyway um let's just touch on one fun thing you had on instagram this week i loved it it's so basic and so not used (laughs) ask the kid do you want to tell us yes. about that one? I love it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, this is what this goes back to these assumptions that we have. And and I don't, I mean, my kids were, you know, they probably say they were 90s kids. You know, they grew up in the in the 90s when they were in those formative years of, you know, we were talking about the other night, like, mom, you never really like did grounding. Like you just, you didn't do grounding. And I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't. Cause I didn't, I didn't really see the value of it. Um, <clears throat> but when this, this idea of asking the kid uh, so many times we think as adults that we need to make the decision about what should happen after a kid struggles behaviorally. Like we think that it's like this like this behavior happened and then the adult has to respond to it. And then there's like a learning that should happen. And this is where consequences have come in. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I could do a whole different thing about consequences. Um, I don't think that they help teach skills that are missing. Mm-hmm. They, they're going to happen naturally in the world. We do learn from them. I just don't particularly use them in that way. But what I do like to do is I do like to teach and model to kids how to problem solve. And so that's where asking the kid <laughs> what they think um, is should happen or if whatever their feelings are about what happened. Um, and also getting their ideas. Like I laid out exactly a procedure for that in, in that post on Instagram. But the real gist of it is more, it's just more about valuing the child's feelings and their experience and then getting their idea about what should happen next or what will help next or how, like for a lot of times we assume that we have to tell kids to apologize and a lot of times they will come up with that on their own and it's so much more authentic and meaningful when they do as opposed to us saying, you know, like we think that we have to tell them, okay, you hate your sister. You need to say sorry. And that isn't the best way in my experience of helping kids really internalize and learn what just happened right now had an impact on them, but I'm also feeling stressed and upset and I have Mm -hmm. confusing feelings going on. And so depending on the age, just really talking with kids and asking them what, you know, their experiences and like, how, how do you think this problem could get solved going forward? It's, um, 
it's something that when I had the, the kids that I have had severe behaviors, pretty extreme behavior. And so I read the book Explosive Child. This mm-hmm. is before there was like, this is in the early nineties when you literally had to buy the book <laughs> and yeah. go, you know, get it at the library. Right, a thousand podcasts. Um, that you're yeah. It was before all of that, yeah, and- but, um, but I read the book Explosive Child and that's really where this whole concept came to me about, um, having the conversation with with the child and yeah. really like in a meaningful conversation too not in this like I'm the parent you're the kid mm-hmm. I know more than you do but really like like honoring their experience and and valuing and kind of being also open to what what they will share and yeah. if any like a lot of us have experienced this where you're just going to tell your child you know, like it, you spilled the, whatever you spilled the milk or whatever in the, in the kitchen. And like, this is how we clean it up. And some kids will have this huge, like, you know, like they're in so much trouble and they feel terrible and they cry other kids, like they knock the milk over and they're on to the next thing. And they don't, you know what I mean? So there's that, Mm -hmm. but again, it's like, there's a range of experiences and being Mm -hmm. able to kind of be with your child in those moments and hear from them, listen to them, ask them, what their experience is and what, you know, what they, what they're processing is so, it's just so important, I think. Yeah. And it's all about the timing, right? Like right after the incident happened, well, they're totally dysregulated and you just lost it too. And like, that's not the time. And that's when we think that we're supposed to be parenting is like, oh, he just hit his daughter. That's of course going to trigger us also. He was mad enough to hit her. Then we're mad at him because he hit her. This is not the time to be learning. <laughs> like none right. of us have our brains on right now. Mm-hmm. And nope. so, yeah, that's the skill I like to always teach and work mm-hmm. on myself. Even always, like there's no point at like, Oh, I'm an expert at this. I should like not get mad anymore. Right. Again, always right. that grace and self-compassion and like feeling the feeling through. I feel mad right now. This is not the time to, you know, like maybe I want to go over there and comfort my daughter, but it's not the time to like take my anger out on him that he took his anger out on her. Like, right. what are we, right. what are we, we modeling here? Right. Yeah, exactly. So then after the fact, once we've all got cool heads again, then we mm-hmm. can kind of talk about it. Like, Hey, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? What was going on for you? What, what do you think you could do next time? And yeah, if it's the kind of thing that you want to talk to them about, because I guess as they get older, you want to like take away iPads and things like that. But if, if that's like done in anger, in reactivity, then like nobody's really learning anything except that mom no, gets mad. No, mom you're teaching them. Yeah, and, that's and you're what teaching they them. Exactly. You're teaching them double lessons when you're doing that, right? You you think that you're teaching them the lesson of, okay, there's a consequence for this. And, you know, I want you to remember not to do this again or whatever. But the other lesson, the double lesson you're teaching is when I'm mad and dysregulated, then I react. And then yeah. I, yeah. And that isn't the, probably the lesson we really, because yeah. <laughs> they, because they, you know, do what we do, not what we say. Exactly. <laughs> Stop yelling. <laughs> well, you're yelling. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So fun. And then, okay, hold on. Ask the kid. Oh, the other thing is um, I love the idea of asking the kid also because asking questions helps them tap into their own brain for their learning instead of us yes. lecturing them that just sounds like wah, 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 to that you know totally and so um i just have this really fun example my friend shared with me yesterday 
that she asked her teenage daughter this question. She just texted it to her. You know, her daughter told her about a situation. All she responded was a question. And then a couple of days later, her daughter came back with the answer. And she was like, yes, because <laughs> like the yes. answer is like what she would have wanted to give her. But yes. the daughter did not just need another mom lecture. You know, it's like, no. And, and we have, we have taught them. <laughs> like we've given uh-huh. them enough lectures. It's in there somewhere. And yeah. when they pull it out themselves, then they're like, oh, I guess I believe that it came out of my own mouth, you know, instead of, oh, yes. mom, stop telling me that, da, 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 you know. And I also think that, I think that asking the question at any age is also a trust builder in the relationship. Because when you're asking the question, then you are open to, like, again, it's like, you're not telling them, you're not being the wise adult parent, whatever. Um, you're kind of like, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're, and that sends a message to them that, oh my gosh, you know, my mom really values my, you know, my opinion in this. And then that it, I, I think that that's the trust that you can have with teenagers um, having had four of them, <laughs> it, you know, to be able to have that, that kind of an exchange versus there's so many times that our teenagers will want to reach out and they will be struggling with something and they might do it in a very like nice, like open conversation way, or they might do it in some other behavioral way. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we don't react, when we are open to like, and asking questions of them in a way that's like, not that asking questions of what the heck are you thinking, (laughs) but more like asking the question of tell me more about, um, what, you know, what you're worried about, what are you worried about uh-huh. with this? Or, yeah. you know, something open-ended like that, then that's, that's a huge trust builder. Yeah. I love sense. that idea. Cause, and we legit have to trust them, like mm-hmm. trust that they can make their own decisions. Like I have three kids that walk to school and yesterday, two of them wanted to walk in the snow and one did not. <laughs> and so I let the two walk together and then I drove the other one but she's in kindergarten and she's never walked from the car into the school by herself. Cause usually I drive all three of them if I drive them. And so all yes. of a sudden, like I open the van door and she like freaks out and I'm like, it's totally fine. You've done this a million times. You know how to do it. Like my confidence in her, yeah. kept her like, instead of me being like, Oh no, I can figure out what to do with these other babies. That's like, I take you in because you're freaking out that yeah. you don't know what to do. So I better help you. Sorry. you know? No worries. <laughs> and so, um, in, in any case, you know, or like even with the smallest things, like if they're crafting something and they're like, mm-hmm. how do I do this? I'm like, how do you think you do this? Or how do you want to do it? They're always asking like, how should I, how should I? And I'm trying to drop the shoulds in my own life. And I'm like, I can't believe they've picked this up already. You know? So I'm like, what do you right. want to do? What do you want to, how do you want to do it? Instead of like, yes. there's a right way to do it all the time, you know? And, yes. and I think it's so fun to try to develop these things while they're young so that when they are teenagers, then they do have that confidence in themselves that they can they can do what they want to do. Like they don't have to hopefully <laughs> rebel too much against, you know, like what they should be doing. Like when exactly. they don't have that rebellious stage, cause all along they've been doing what they want to do. There's nothing to rebel against, you know, yes. we do have that agency. We can do what we want. And yes. when we choose to do what's appropriate in the situation, you know, mm-hmm. then, um, then anyway, it's not like I have to sit here and behave because my mom said, so it's like, I want to sit here and participate in whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Theory, right. That's right. That's the theory. Right. (laughs) No. And it's a, it's a big, I think it's a big deal. And I think that when we err on the other side of that, when we are 
always telling them what to do. And we are always being in that position of wanting to control. I mean, it comes from good intention. Yeah. It, it totally does. But I think you can err too much on that side. And then you do create kids who don't have that kind of sense of confidence in their own decision-making and, yeah. and, and then you can create kind of a dependence. And then, like you said, you, that kind of sets them up a little bit more for like, there's a point where they're like, wait a second, I want to do what I want to do. And then I think you get into more of that rebellious kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I also, think, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, but I think you also can't over, like, you can't do it perfectly no matter what, oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. So you can be like, okay, I'm going to try to have open questions. I'm going to have to, you know, do that. You also have to remember that your, your kids are still going to kind of go through all the experiences and there's going to be rebellious stages and there's going to yeah. be fluctuations in the relationship too. And it has nothing to do with you not doing the right thing. Right. I mean- that's yeah. going to naturally happen anyway. Exactly. And so I think Which letting go and trusting back, that course. that's part of it is also a big, that's important too. So Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we believe we are a good mom, right? Yes. <laughs> are a good yes. mom, no matter what mistakes you're making, no matter what your kids choose to do, it's not reflecting yeah. on whether you were a good mom or not. You just are. Right. And, um, and also along with all of that is fixing their emotions, you know, as they uh-huh. come, come in with some big emotion and we just want to fix it for them, like to show them the confidence in their ability to handle big emotions also will teach them how to handle the big emotions. And yeah, anyway, yes, that whole yes. another tangent, but we'll wrap up. Okay. So Jody, tell people how they can find you to work with you or tell us all about, you know, how you're coaching. Looks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Instagram is probably where I'm most active. I just, when I post on Instagram, sometimes it posts on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it used to be under good mom coach, but there was like some, I kept getting some problems with that. So now it's Jody Schilling. It's Jody with an I. And um, my podcast is still called the good mom podcast. And so the links are in Instagram for that as well. And when I, anybody that wants coaching, I just do one-on-one coaching and mine is very conversational, very like open-ended, like let's find, you know, what, whatever you want to work on. And then because of the moms that I work with tend to need some flexibility and scheduling, um, we, I'm all about that. <laughs> but the only thing is I just do coaching on the weekends because I focus on my day job during the week. Mm-hmm. So for moms that want coaching, I'm available on the weekends. I have a few openings left um, right now, um, for February. And then I have a couple of options. Usually I have moms set a goal. And so we either do a 21 day goal or a 45 day goal. And a lot of times it'll start out with not wanting to yell at their kids maybe, or like strategies for kids with behavior stuff. And we'll end up working on how do we feel about ourselves as a mom? That's yeah. really what it always comes to. I know. And we That's get why that, I just cut to the chase. Up with my podcast I'm like I know you think it's about the behavior of the kids let's just get down to it right now yeah no totally um yeah I just I yeah moms can um they can just message me that's usually the easiest Mm -hmm. easiest thing on on any social media they can they can message me so that's how it works okay super fun Jody. well thank you again for being here Oh, thank you for having me, Emily. I really, I love connecting with other moms that are doing that same, kind of having the same mission, but also just in that same mindset of we, we are good. We are good moms. Let's, 
just keep believing it because mm -hmm. it's it's what's going to fuel us to do what's important to us and our families. So exactly, I love and it. Then, Thank you. And that's what's going to make the changes in the world, right? That's right. Like Michael Jackson says. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the world a better for place. sure. Take a look at yourself and make a change. That's right. it. Okay. Yes. Thanks, Julie. <laughs>